0: Welcome back to the second and two podcast, everyone's favorite football podcast, talking all things NFL offseason here, uh picking up where we left off with our divisional previews for 2023. I'm your host, T B. Got my co host, producer extraordinaire, new hat owner, it appears. Yep. Yeah. Um <laughs> glasses connoisseur, master of the barbecue, uh expert financial advisor jody <laughs> uh, no so you did pick up on the new hat
1: literally got it yesterday which is funny i will say when i met burger flipper extraordinaire i meant more working at in and out not necessarily on the <laughs> grill outside because i haven't cooked a burger outside in forever <laughs> but uh you know that, that, that's what we're going with these days but uh <laughs> how you been bro it's been a week What's new?
0: so many things are new i'm i'm working on moving out of my place right now so there's a lot going on with that you know there's always like the stresses of moving and you know i I move out in like three three or four days so oh shoot that's quick yeah yeah so i'm i'm almost all the way packed up but you know and then obviously like just you gotta get the moving truck you gotta get help you gotta do everything it's all it's good stuff though good things happening um i'm excited for it so yeah that's that's what's new for me what's up with you not much man just you know
1: working as always i i I guess i got a quick question for you what do you think is the hardest part about moving? is it packing is it finding help or if you don't own a truck having to go rent a truck or you could rank those in the order if that's well
0: well i would say the worst part is having to pay for the moving truck right like yeah because it's not like an enjoyable experience to move, and then you have to pay for this big truck, you know, and yeah. all kinds of liability, and you, you obviously you you drive slow and you, you're super careful and all that stuff. Like, I would say that's the that's the worst part is having to pay for that. I mean, the second worst for sure is finding help because that's just. Yeah. Again, no one likes moving. No one likes moving all the furniture and all the stuff you got to move. Yeah, it does not help that I'm on the third floor of an apartment complex <laughs> with like a narrow stairwell. Yeah, um, yeah. Plus,
1: it probably corkscrews around. Or yeah, you gotta bend it weird yeah. ways and everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's very like Friends. Uh, as good of a TV show as it is, the the biggest thing that it nailed definitely was the episode where they're
1: trying to get
0: the the couch (laughs) up the stairs, man, pivot, pivot. I mean, that's seriously, that's what it was like getting my stuff in here. And so now I'm just dreading getting it all out. It's going to be a good time. Um, And yeah, so you got to go get help and you kind of just have to ask. And then you, you know, I mean, what can you do? No one likes doing it. So yeah. Yeah, I would say the packing is not that bad. I feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm an expert packer now. Oh, okay. There we go. You, <laughs> you can know, add that to your you know, list. i got to introduce you one day and hit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you you learn how to use, like, towels and clothes as, like, you To know, keep things, things to, like safe. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. secure your, uh, your breakables, your fragilities. It's like your,
1: uh, what is it, packaging uh, peanuts or whatever they're called, right?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, we're almost there. I mean, I've, I have a few more things to pack up. Kitchens. The kitchen's always the hardest part because you're trying to... You need to you still use gotta that eat. stuff.
1: Still. Yeah. So, you still
0: got to use it up until like the last day. <laughs> so, that's probably the hardest part to pack. But pretty much got everything else packed. I mean, you can see my walls are all barren, have been for the yeah. last couple of pods. And that's why. So, uh, I've, been, I've been knowing I was going to move, obviously, for a little while. So, I've been slowly... Been doing like a box a day kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. There for you the go. Last Just like you get
1: something in there, like you feel accomplished. You did something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm um, now at the point where it's, we're, uh, we're right on the home stretch. So I got to finish it up. There you go. Well,
1: speaking of packing, bro, people are here for football. And our guy, D'Amico Ryan, <laughs> he got his backpack from the Bay. <laughs> that
0: was such a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> that was. <coughs> i was like man what's this guy gonna do right now that was an incredible segue i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie that was I, it, it's rare we have a real one so you know I, I figured i'd get it cooked in there i
1: had it rolling I, I pulled up what we're looking at today we got the afc south get that out there I, as i mentioned sure. the texans and so I was just waiting for you to to pull up the screens, but I was like, I gotta fit this in before he says something about it, you know. So I had to yeah, I had to shoot from yeah. the hip real quick, let it out. <clears throat> <laughs> like a true,
0: like the true Texan that you are, right there. Yeah, there you go. What was O <clears> two <throat> when they started? Yeah, O two expansion franchise, man. They they've only been in existence for like twenty years. It's crazy. That's pretty wild. Um, We're older yeah. than the Texans. <laughs> we We are bro, or I mean, so <clears throat> I actually do have some interesting tidbits for you for this division, um because you know, I love giving you the tidbits, Joe. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all one, four yeah. All four teams have won the division since 2014, so they've all had some success since uh <clears throat> in the last less than ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I asked you, who's won the division the most times? Since 2011, what would you guess? Well, I already
1: have the answer sheet, so I don't want to spoil it. But (laughs) I'll
0: just tell you, you
1: could credit, you know, I I guess shockingly enough, I'll say this. I'll say this instead. The Colts are not the team you you would pick.
0: That's not Mm -hmm. the right answer. That's probably Mm -hmm. who you would pick, but it's not correct. No. Which is shocking. Well, it's just you realize the Colts have... You know, Peyton Manning's been out of the division for well, quite Andrew some time. Luck as well, but I don't even know when that was. I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, but, well, well, even with Luck, for a good stretch of that run, I mean, Luck was the first pick in 2012 with the franchise until, I believe, what was it, 18 was his last year? Um, I don't recall. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the Texans have actually won the division six times since 2011, and then the Jaguars, Colts, and Titans have all won it twice in that same time, time span. So yeah. Um, there's only one team. The 2009 Colts has won the Super Bowl since the AFC South was created with uh, realignment in 2002. Um, they're also the only team with a Super Bowl berth since 2002, since they also went in 2006. So um, this division has kind of um, Proc- had a – Yeah, it's a tough history. I mean, the problem for it is that it's, it's – uh, it's not a long history. It's interesting because all four teams came into the league as expansion teams or teams that moved. So you had the Baltimore Colts famously moved in the middle of the night became the Indianapolis Colts. The Houston Oilers become the Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. The Jags came in the league as an expansion team in 1995. And the Texans came in the league in 2002 as an expansion team. So not long histories for the Jags and Texans. Not surprising they haven't been to or won a Super Bowl yet. The, the Titans um, have had some like really good regular seasons, but they seem to have always struggled in the, in the playoffs. So yeah, that's true. And then obviously the Colts just were blessed with Peyton Manning. And that's, <laughs> really, their, that's really their run is like the Peyton sure. Manning years. Um, but the Jaguars have never been past the AFC Championship. The Titans have never been past the AFC championship. Um, the Texans have never been past the divisional round. So, yeah, that's tough. The best Texans moment probably came the year with Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien. They remember they were up yeah. famously, up was like that 24 rookie? to. Uh, I think it was oh, year man. two or year three. They were up 24 to zero on the road in Kansas City, famously, and uh, in the divisional round and, and blew it. That probably was their best chance to get to a. And an AFC championship game, and they weren't able to get it done. Um, but I would say with the histories of all these teams being so different um, and sort of um, short, this division feels like probably the least historical or successful division in yeah, in true. the NFL. Um, just the, the newness of the teams and the lack of postseason success, again, outside of basically Peyton Manning. But I will say this. The division is really competitive. It's changed hands many times um and the question will be this year can the division winner or even the wild card entrant that should they get one do any damage in the playoffs when they get there you know we'll <laughs> certainly <laughs> i like we'll certainly that if they out. get
1: one cuz that's a huge statement
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean you know we'll go through these teams this this division is a little rough right now just because you look at, around and all of the teams are Young you know, they really have young quarterbacks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence coming into year three is a little bit more experienced. You know, he got to the divisional round last year, so that's def- different. Um, you know, the Texans and Colts figure to be playing rookies. Mm-hmm. The Titans have an experienced veteran on the roster, Ryan Tannehill, who's been been successful in the league. But, um, you know, got a couple young guys in, in Levis and uh, Willis on the roster that are year one, year two guys that could potentially play this year. So, a lot of this is kind of the young QB division and with young quarterbacks comes natural struggle at least early on that uh, you can yeah. ask the Jaguars you know year one year two what with Trevor Lawrence what kind of a difference that made obviously coaching I yeah, think I we could say <laughs> assume played a huge factor in that but also just in general year one to year two there's always major growth so true. a lot of these other teams are going to be going through year one with their quarterbacks so you know we won't we won't be surprised if they struggle right um, yeah, but starting with uh, as you said the team that. Bring in, brings in a new quarterback this year, themselves and a new head coach. Um, I believe we got the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah. So last year they went three thirteen and one. Most famously, fumbled the bag on the first overall pick to the Bears. For that reason, let's see, they finished last in their division. And you know, when you only win three games, you ain't making the playoffs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um... Interestingly enough, it's interesting to say that you know a team that went three thirteen and one had some key losses, but they did, um, they really did, and maybe these will prove to be, you know, better when you in, uh, include their additions. But they um, traded Brandon Cooks to the Cowboys. Brandon Cooks had been there for a couple years and seemed, you know, was still actually surprisingly very productive yeah. um despite kind of what they had going on at quarterback which is no slight to the guys they've been playing but since Deshaun Watson's left they've kind of had a, a revolving door of quarterbacks been struggling to find the next guy at the edge position Ogbo or Okon- oof tough one just I just call him Ogbo um used to play yeah. for the Rams um was a was a Houston signed a one year deal with the Texans last year had some production he moved on Uh, I believe to the Browns. And um, so they're losing a little bit of edge production there. Um, Their center, Justin Britt, really good player, been in the league for a long time. Quarterback Kyle Allen was the backup quarterback last year. He's gone. Their tight end, O.J. Howard, formerly a first-round pick of the Buccaneers, had a a decent year last year. And then uh, Rex Burkhead, uh, running back who they used probably more than anyone expected last year, he is also gone. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of their their signees, in addition to a couple other guys that didn't make it on the list on here, just um, Edge Mario Addison, who had been there for a really long time. Um, He's a little older, so that's not surprising. And then uh, receiver Philip Dorsett, they also lost him. Um, But they added some really key players. Number one, the guard, Shaq Mason, huge addition to this offensive line. Also beefing up on the defensive line, Sheldon Rankins. Both guys figure to be starters in year one. Receiver Robert Woods, tight end Dalton Schultz. Also guys who I would figure will come in and start right away for them. Um, They signed safety Jimmy Ward from San Francisco. So he comes in, he understands the D'Amico Ryan's defense that they're going to run. Um, So that's a big signing. They also brought in cornerback Shaq Griffin, Pretty good corner. He figures to be a starter as well. They added Case Keenum to give them some veteran preven- presence in the quarterback room. Uh, running back Devin Singletary and receiver Noah Brown add depth to their offensive skill position. So as much as they lost some guys, I think they added plenty of guys to try and make this team better this year. And uh, specifically yeah, specifically help uh, um, CJ Stroud. But um, they added some dudes in the draft too, huh?
1: Yeah, so we got C.J. Stroud, as you just mentioned, uh, was a second overall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Edge Will Anderson that they ended up trading up for at three. And then they got a center, Juice Scruggs. That's a nice name, Juice. He's got juice the Scruggs. juice. And they got a wide a wide receiver, T- Tank Dell. Dang, those are both some good names right there.
0: Yeah, I like I like the Tank Dell should be fun. I think with with uh with CJ.
1: Where was he from? I don't, I don't know much about Houston, him. Houston. Houston. Uh, he was a guy oh, okay. who actually,
0: um, speaking of, I'll let me just put on right now for the Senior Bowl today. I don't know if you can see that, but I got my Senior Bowl shirt on. But um, he was a guy that popped really big time at the Senior Bowl. Okay. So Tank Dell was a guy that started getting, you know, he came out of Houston. Houston didn't have like, I mean, they were they were pretty decent in the Big 12 this year, but just not as good as I think people were hoping for. So um, they kind of fell off the map in terms of college football coverage later in the year, but uh-huh. he was a guy who had a, who had a great year and then really impressed at the Senior Bowl, was a guy that a lot of people were talking about during the Senior Bowl practices. So um, he ends up being a third-round pick at receiver, and I think uh, that that's going to be a good thing for, for Houston. Um, it sounds like C.J. Stroud really kind of was, was begging them to draft him. So that's, oh. a, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's huge. And then looking at their management, their general manager would be Nick Casario. Their head coach is D'Amico Ryans, as we previously mentioned. First year there. Uh, let's see. Offensive coordinator, we got Bobby Slowick. And then the D coordinator is going to be Matt Burke. Now, I have a question before we continue. Mm-hmm. With with the head coach, right, being a former D coordinator, how does it be coming in that being a D coordinator, like – do you just sit back and let him run it, or do you still call the plays and he'll give you feedback?
0: well, I think every every guy is different, right um It has become increasingly more popular it appears for head coaches to still call a side of the ball, and I uh-huh. think a a big part of that is um for continuity reasons. I also think it's it's sometimes hard as a as a coach to kind of let go of what you've been good at, you know, especially yeah, if you've yeah. been a great play caller, whether it's on offense or defense. It can be hard to trust someone else to do that. I think uh-huh. um, some guys are ready to to give that up right away, and they're like, "Hey, I just I need to be a head coach. I want to run the the organization, run the structure. That's yeah. not my job anymore. I don't, I you know, I can't be good at both those jobs at the same time." Other coaches are again, um, it's tough for them to relinquish that control just because they know they're good at it right? And yeah, if you know, yeah. you're good at it. It, um, it can be a hard thing to, you know, relinquish control of, but it's also difficult when, you know, you, if you're, if your coordinators are really good, which is what you want, those guys end up becoming head coaches. Yeah, So yeah. you have <laughs> situations like, you know, what Sean McVay has had in Los Angeles, where his offensive coordinator feels like moves on every year and gets a better yeah, job, true. right? Becomes a head coach. But, He's since he's the play caller, they don't lose, you know, as much of the continuity as you might if you were losing your play caller every single year, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. and so I think it's especially true on offense, maybe less so defensively, but I think even still, you know, I think there's, there's obviously, um, you know, you're, you're as a head coach, if you're going to go hire someone to call the side of the ball that you previously called and you're going to relinquish that play those play calling duties. You want someone who aligns with you philosophically, sure, yeah. is going to run a similar style majority of the time, right? But then if you're going to do it, I think as a head coach it's important that you really allow your coordinator to go do what they want to do, right? And let it be their yeah. their vision within your you know, framework of running the team, it, let it be their defense, right? So, yeah, I feel it. I think that's why those conversations up front in interviews in that process are so important. It's also why a lot of coordinator, you know, a lot of guys who become head coaches will bring a guy, will elevate a guy that they worked with before who was part of their offensive or defensive staff because they understand gotcha. yeah. exactly what they want and can run that and and without you know with it being still there the same like mindset. Yeah, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Which is um, exactly what you know, Matt Burke is to D'Amico rides. So uh-huh. makes a ton of sense. It's not surprising. <laughs> and, and I'm sure D'Amico still will have his stamp on not just the defense, but this entire team, how he wants it to function, cool. but it, it will be, you know, Matt Burke calling those defensive plays. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, great question. Again,
1: thanks for teaching me something.
0: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you know, it's, if it's anything like, like, again, I haven't been a part of an NFL staff and not, you know, pretending like that's my background or anything, but, if it's anything like the staffs I've been a part of, that's sh- that's sh- generally, you know, how that that's, goes. Yeah. Um so um, but looking at the Houston depth chart, just kind of or in terms of their starters, what they're what they're looking at. Um offensively, you look from left to right, Laramie Tunsil, they locked him down this offseason, gave him some more money, some more years to keep going. He's been awesome as a left tackle for them for a number of years now. Um come a long, uh, long way from draft day when he fell for a little bit. Um, <laughs> at left, left guard, they got Kenyon Green. Uh, at the center, Juice Scruggs figures to come in and start. They also signed Scott Quisenberry. Um, so they'll have a little bit of a, a, a battle, I would think. Quisenberry's been in the league for a while. He's a good veteran. So at worst case, he provides some, some depth behind Scruggs, mm-hmm. um, or he'll be ready to go if Scruggs isn't ready. Shaq Mason, I mentioned that signing, huge signing at right guard. And then Titus Howard should be the, the right tackle. Obviously, at quarterback, everything out of camp so far has been that CJ Stroud is ahead of the curve. He's looking really good. He's already taken first team reps. He there should be the starter from day one. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Case Keenum will likely be the veteran backup there. And then Davis Mills. Um, right now I would figure figures to be the third string quarterback it's interesting because in years past someone like Davis mills might've been a candidate to be cut uh-huh. just because he's probably good enough to be someone else's backup. Right. You know, yeah. and as opposed to a third thinking. stringer, but now they passed that new rule where you can have three active quarterbacks on game day. And so I wonder how that changes cool. that equation for some teams. They may be more willing to keep a guy like Davis mills around uh-huh. um, to have him be that third active quarterback. Now I believe the way that rule works is you can activate him from the practice squad. So they would still need to, you know, the way that whole formula works is you have to cut the guy and essentially sign him to your practice squad. And if he's on your practice squad, anyone can sign him to their active roster at any time. So if someone else looks at him and says, oh, he's good enough to be our number two, then uh-huh. he would still be, you know, he would still be gone unless okay. he chose to stay with Houston as a practice squad player. But that, you know, for obvious yeah. reasons, rare, rarely happens. More
1: money so, why not?
0: Yeah, more chance to play all that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Davis Mills. If he ends up being like their practice squad quarterback, who's the third quarterback activated on game day, or if he's a guy who ends up leaving and getting another opportunity somewhere else. So I'd be curious to see what happens with that. At running back, you know, they got Damian Pierce coming back. He was great for them last year. And then Devin Singletary, they signed from the Bills. So they'll have like a little bit of a two headed monster there. Um mm-hmm. There are other skill positions uh, at the X receiver. Nico Collins has had a quietly kind of couple productive years here. Um, Amari Rogers comes in as well to back him up at the tight end position. They brought in Dalton Schultz to be the guy at that um, slot receiver position, brought in Robert Woods this offseason, and then drafted Tank Dell. Um, Robert Woods is a little older, mm-hmm. super wily veteran, gives them, gives them an awesome presence. Wouldn't it be surprised if, kind of as the season goes, Tank Dell maybe steals some reps from him? It probably uh-huh. also depends on what John Mechie third looks like out there at the Z receiver position. He's coming back, missed his entire rookie year, um, recovering from, from cancer, and now he's cancer-free, getting ready to play, which is just and awesome.
1: That's huge.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited for him. You know he's battled a lot to be able to come play, so... Really, really excited to see that what that guy offers for their offense, but yeah. also just the fact that he gets to go do what he loves. You know, he's healthy. There's always good stories. It makes you feel good. So. Um, and then behind him, they also brought in, as I mentioned earlier, Noah Brown, uh, more depth at receiver. So the, the Houston offense is young, but they have just enough veterans sprinkled throughout that, you know, there's, there's some real talent, some youth, and some experience there. Yeah. Defensively. Yeah, yeah. I think um Bobby Sloak has some tools to play with. So defensively, they obviously drafted Will Anderson, um, mm-hmm. who figures to be a monster on the edge for them. Also Chase Winovich comes in to be um another edge uh, rusher for them. Um inside Sheldon Rankins um figures to be a monster at the nose. They brought in um they have Malik Collins and Hassan Ridgeway as more defensive interior linemen. And then on the edge on the other side, Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Greenard give them some, uh, some more depth as well. At linebacker, they actually have a really interesting group of linebackers. And if you know, I'll talk about this later, but if you know anything about D'Amico Rhines, he really loves linebackers that can play great zone drops who are really good. I mean, that's why Fred uh-huh. Warner was just so successful yeah. with them. Um, so I was really excited when they drafted uh, Henry To'oto. It was a guy that we featured in our linebacker breakdown yeah, before yeah. the draft guy who I really liked little undersized, not your traditional looking linebacker, but plays really hard, extremely smart and was great in pass coverage. I, I know he was like a fifth round pick for <laughs> them. I would not be shocked if he's playing real, real yeah. reps for them later in the year. So, um, but they have a lot of players on here who fit that kind of bill of being good, good um, linebackers in coverage, you know, right now, Penciled in as starters would be Christian Harris and Denzel Perryman, both veterans who've got a lot of experience. But don't be surprised. like They brought in Corey Littleton. He's kind of an undersized, really good uh, coverage linebacker. Christian Kirksey and then Henry Toto, they drafted. So those are all guys who I would not be shocked if you're seeing different guys playing linebacker for them later in the year than what they might start out as. Um, So really interesting uh, position battle there. Then in the slot corner, Desmond King figures to kind of go back. He played a lot more outside corner for them last year, but I think with the addition of Shaq Griffin and then having Mm -hmm. Steven Nelson at corner with uh, Derek Stingley Jr., I think Desmond King can kind of slide back into the nickel where he's been really productive in years past. And then um, at safety spots, Jalen Petrie and then obviously Jimmy Ward coming over from San Francisco. Um, Give them some veteran experience in the back end.
1: Yeah, it sounds... I like what you said about both sides of the ball. has me feeling, feeling good about my prediction. Maybe they do better going I forward. Think,
0: I think Texans fans should be feeling optimistic. I think there's yeah. a lot of reason to feel like, and I'm not saying they're going to be like a surprise playoff team or anything like that this year. Obviously, we'll get to predictions in a little bit, but I do think there's reason to believe this team is on the right track again.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, so their schedule is coming up here. They actually start on the road versus the Ravens. It's going to be a tough game just in general, traveling in Baltimore. But week two, they come they come home, first home game, playing against the Colts. Another team we'll be looking at shortly. It's going to be fun. Rick, uh, rookie quarterbacks on those squads. And they go on the road to Jacksonville playing the Jags. They uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know. Week four, they're going to be in uh, at home playing Pittsburgh. Sorry about that. Then they got week five on the road in Atlanta playing the Falcons. Week six, they got the Saints at home. You know, that I don't wanna project too much, but I feel like that's gonna be your your tough stretch from four to eight. But uh <laughs> week seven, they got their bye week following that Saints game. Then they go on the road to, to North Carolina playing the Panthers. Panthers also coming off a bye. Let's see. Week nine, they got the Bucks at home. Yeah, I just I think my my statement's coming more true and true. <laughs> week ten, they go on the road play the Bengals. That's tough. And then they got three home games right here, week eleven through thirteen. They got the Cardinals, and then they got the Jags, and they got the Broncos. And then they got a couple away games right here, week fourteen and fifteen. They got the Jets on the road, and then the Titans on the road. First time they're playing them all year. Week 16, they're home against the Browns. And then 17, home against the Titans, in that second game in. And then they close out on the road, Indianapolis
0: against the Colts. That's tough. They play them week two and then week 18. <laughs> yeah, they have like a couple schedule quirks. I mean, week two, week 18, the Colts. It's like almost two completely different seasons there. Yeah. And also, weirdly, like week 15, week 17 with the Titans, you kind of have like a back-to-back with them. And then also interesting get like they have zero primetime games yeah
1: I didn't which, realize that
0: which I mean I get maybe why that was the case when the NFL did its schedule but you know honestly they're that they may be kind of a fun scrappy team to watch this year would be my guess and I think they may regret not putting them in primetime at least once yeah I to say CJ Stroud
1: one of those games it should be you know two rookie quarterbacks people are looking forward to watching one of those feels like they should be like a Thursday night
0: yeah, definitely feels like a Thursday night. <laughs> so you kind of said alluded to earlier like the easy stretch in their schedule I think is weeks 5 through 9. Yeah. They get to play the NFC South, which spoiler alert for next week but the <laughs> NFC South is I just don't think is very good. I, I think it's I think it's probably the worst it, it this it's you know maybe between the two south divisions for like worst division in football yeah. this year. <laughs> at least going at least the way things look going into the season just cuz all those teams are sporting young quarterbacks young teams, don't know who their yeah. quarterback is or have a new quarterback. And so it's difficult when that's the case. And there's so much instability at the quarterback position. And that's true in both the AFC and NFC South. And they're yeah. playing each other this year. So you get a lot of kind of, um, unfortunately like bad football games, you know, like I don't know who wants to watch Texans Buccaneers in week nine, you know, it might, <laughs> might be kind of a tough one. Again, <laughs> the Texans may actually be more fun to watch, yeah, you know, true. no disrespect to them. It's just, you know it could be a could be a tough game but um <clears throat> so at weeks five through nine at the falcons versus the saints bye week at the panthers versus the bucks yeah um that's probably their easiest stretch you know they could probably pick up a couple wins in that stretch even with a young quarterback <clears throat> especially coming out of the bye you know getting more time for him to pick some stuff up you know really figures like you could yeah. probably beat the Buccaneers. Maybe pick up a, get, a win against one of those other three teams. Go a little mm-hmm. like two and two in that stretch, and yeah, yeah, feel good about sure. yourselves. They're tough stretch, though. It's kind of a tough one. Weeks twelve through sixteen, I think, yeah. is, is pretty tough. They've got to play on the road at the Jets and the Titans. They get those home games versus the Jaguars, the Broncos, and the Browns. You know, I figure all those, all five of those teams could be competing for or competing four playoffs positioning that Mm -hmm. by that, especially kind of that late in the year. So, you know, they could just be, that could just be an easily could be an and five stretch for a young team. That's still finding itself um, at that point. So, you know, at least three out of the five are at home and you don't have to like go to Denver, for instance, you know, that's, that's nice, but you know, you still have um, the two divisional games, the Titans and the Jaguars, which I think will both be tough for them. Obviously, at the Jets is a real tough one, especially that late in the year. You figure Rodgers will be filing, firing on all cylinders. You know, Deshaun Watson and the Browns, Week 16, that's another, you know, pretty tough one, too. So, um, that yeah, could... He's coming back home. I guess. Yeah, I could, think he did that last year, too, didn't he? Yeah, so that could be a real... That could be just a real tough game for them, in general. Yeah. really tough stretch, so... Yeah, that's how I see their schedule.
1: Yeah, so... Brings us to our predictions. I had them going six and eleven, slightly better than yours being five and twelve. <laughs> I think we see it similarly where they could probably outside the Jags in their own division probably trade those whichever way you want to put it. Titans being a little bit tougher considering they still have Tannehill on the squad. And then like you said, the NFC South, that stretch could easily be split two and two or you know, they win all four or whatever the case may be. But outside of those ones, it's like, who, who else are you going to beat at that point? You know, like you mentioned think, the Jets and Broncos being tough. Cardinals, I guess there's a possibility there, but it just, it gets tough down the road.
0: <laughs> I think the Texans will likely be in a lot of games this year. This is what my, you know, there's like a lot of phases to team building. And like uh-huh. phase one is just learning how to compete. And I think the Texans will do that this year. I think they're gonna be competitive in a lot of games. I don't be surprised if there's like a weird, you know, week one upset at the Ravens or yeah, week definitely. week ten upset at the Bengals. You know what I mean? Just that kind of one game where they just put it all together and they sneak up on a team and get a win, despite being a team that's probably gonna have a losing record. Right. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. Um so I, I wouldn't be shocked if they have that. But there's also probably gonna be a game where they just lose by twenty points because they're just they're yeah. young and <laughs> they're still learning themselves. D'Amico Rines is a first-time head coach, right? You got a rookie quarterback. So you're going to have natural bumps, but I do think there will be some highs. I do think they're going to be very competitive in a lot of games. And so 5-12 and 12 feels about right for them, better than last year, but not quite ready to be a winner. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think yeah. they're probably going to move. They're going to progress forward to being a team that could potentially be ready to win next year. That's yeah. kind of how I see yeah. them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so looking ahead, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, my bad. I forgot to ask you the question. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think D'Amico Ryan brings to Houston being defensively or just being from the head coach position?
0: Well, I think one is D'Amico Ryan's is kind of a rising star. It only took him being two years as the 49ers coordinator to become a head coach. Uh-huh. Um, he he – you know, from all the rumors last year, I mean, he could potentially have had the Vikings job last year if he really wanted it. Um, Whether I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but he was at least a (laughs) finalist. Right. So um, he, he's been a guy who's been on a lot of radars, been a rising star in the coaching profession, had a very productive career as a player. And so it translates into his passion and emotion as a, as a coach. You see it in the way that he calls defenses. I've, I really love a lot of the stuff he does. Number one, he's going to show you a lot of two-high safety looks. Obviously, the first look I'm bringing up here now, of course, isn't a two-high safety look, (laughs) but a lot of two-high that can turn into one high. But really, the big staple of what he's done with the 49ers is they play a lot of zone. More than 80% of their defensive looks were zone last year, Uh according to PFF. So, I mean, you're seeing a lot more zone, not a lot of man. They love to, you know, play those games up front with the D-line where they're going to run loopers and run little pick games. We saw that during the season last year. We watched a lot of clips of that stuff. Um, And the the games they run with the guys they had in San Francisco were just vicious. And so hopefully he can repeat some of that success in Houston. He'll have some of those same guys up front. I mean, the other thing that's just a staple is it's very clear he builds his defense from the backers – up and back, right? So oh. like those linebackers, the way that you can get away with playing as much zone as they did is if you have great um, hook droppers or flat defenders as as those linebackers, yeah. that they're good and they get their depth, they're versatile enough to blitz or show and drop out, that all of that stuff lets you have the versatility, so you're disguising things, but you still ultimately are getting into zone. And guys like Fred Warner were – like uniquely gifted doing that. I mean even better than uh-huh. D'Amico Ryans. That's that's what Demico Ryans did so well as a linebacker when he was playing cuz it was so much less common for you to have those really good pass defending linebackers back yeah. in, you know, his era of football <laughs> 2007 to like 2015, right? So <clears throat> he was so good at that and I think the linebackers he's had have been even better. You know, Fred Warner is potentially yeah. the best in the NFL at that. So you watch some of this stuff, well, you know. So I'll stop gab and show you. <laughs> um, this is a a little thing against the Rams on Monday Night Football last year. I think it was Week Four. Just absolutely obliterated the Rams' offensive line with that D-line game, and they're going to show and then drop out. You know, look at Fred Warner, right? And he actually comes on that one, but they run the little looping game with Bosa and Ibukam and Bosa. And that was just, he, get, he gets home right. Here's another look against the Cardinals later in the year, that two high safety look, but you see how it becomes one high. See how they, they oh, actually drop it all
1: together. To be honest. I was watching the line again. <laughs>
0: they, they they drop two Funga in to the hook drop. Right. And then they have their flat defenders out here and now it becomes one, a one high safety look right now. The quarterback thinks I'm just going to take my shot here. Right. I've got him beat, but that's where that one high safety yeah. comes over and, and makes the play and, now you create what you create afterwards, right? But um those those messing with the safeties is one of the easiest ways to kind of get a quarterback to do what you want him to do. Here's the playoff game against Dak, right? Again, too high safety look. They're they've got empty, so you can see Fred Warner is shading to this number three receiver. Now, mm-hmm. this is one of the hardest jobs, right? Because remember with five offensive linemen, there are still, they create those six gaps, right? There's C gap, B gap, A gap, A gap, B gap, uh-huh. C gap. So you have to have six defenders close enough to the box that if they were to run like QB draw with Dak Prescott, you have every gap filled. So you can't leave the box entirely with your backers when they go empty. And that's why teams do it is to spread you out. So like Fred Warner, that's one of the tougher jobs. Like he's the B gap defender, but also has to kind of, you know, depending yeah. on the coverage that they're in, eyes drop number three. That's a hard one, right? But Fred Warner, he's so gifted because he can do that, right? I mean, he can easily do that. So now he sees this and look, they end up getting the interception with Jimmy Ward or Jimmy Ward bounces it to Fred Warner and he gets the interception. And this is like, that's what it's like when you have these great athletic linebackers who can drop like that. Look at Fred Warner. He's Going to get his run pass read, gets in pass coverage. Boom, they jump it. Right, they play this great coverage. They Dak thinks he's got C.D. Lamb on the in and out, but it turns out nope. Now flashback,
1: 2012,
0: <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Who's playing linebacker in the middle here? D'Amico Bryan's against uh, Joe Flacco. Bolt
1: stance, bro. He's low.
0: Yeah, look at him. Look at him getting his depth. Look, look. Oh, pick. He gets the pick on Joe <laughs> Flacco. Tries to get the run back, but they blow it dead. My guy's mad, but juiced up. (laughs) Look at him. And that's how he coaches, right? He coaches his linebackers the same way that he played. Um, I have a lot of respect for D'Amico Rines. I think he does a great job. Um, I love a lot of the stuff he does defensively. They're aggressive, but they're not leaving themselves exposed. They do a lot of things, rotating their safeties. They love playing games up front. Everything from him is show you one thing, give you something else. And so I think... They're going to be – he's going to get that thing rocking in Houston. I, I feel like they're going to be pretty good in the next couple years.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I, everything you showed me seems fun. It sounds fun. Things are definitely looking upward down there. But another team that has that going for them is the Jaguars. They went 9-8 and last year, finished first in the division, and then they ended up losing the divisional round in uh, the playoffs last year.
0: Yeah, um, you know, in terms of some key losses and additions for them, not a lot of losses to speak of. Not a lot of additions either. I mean, it's kind of interesting. They they lost Shaq Griffin, the corner, to Houston. They lost the receiver Marvin Jones. He went back to Detroit. Arden Key was a, a good edge defender for them, and then Jawan Taylor, another um, you know pretty good tackle. However, they added Josh Wells to give them them some tackle jet, and then Uh they added uh, receiver Jacob Harris, a big, big receiver who was uh, with the Rams last year but was hurt, just kind of a decent red zone threat, Uh, may play a little bit for them. Outside of that, their big, big additions actually came in the draft.
1: Yeah, so they had another offensive tackle that they drafted being Anton Harrison. They got a tight end from, uh, I don't know where, I don't know why I said from, uh, he, the tight end being Brenton, strange. <laughs> and then they got a running back, Tank Bigsby, who also talked about during our preview.
0: Yeah, love Tank Bigsby. Um, think he could be a nice little Thunder-Lightning combo with uh, Travis Etienne.
1: Okay, yeah. Word. Yeah, the management that they got down there, they got their general manager being Trent Bulk. I'm going with Bulk on that Bucky. one. Bucky. Bucky. Dang, that's tough. Hey coach Dougie P as you like to call him Doug Peterson Offensive coordinator being Press Taylor And D coordinator being Mike Caldwell Press Taylor is a cool name too
0: Yeah their OCDC don't get a lot of love Everyone loves Dougie P so that's probably Uh why Those guys (laughs) did an excellent job last year You know I raved about the Jaguars defense And just some of the stuff they were doing And obviously offensively they were so much better Last year than they were the year before um, looking at their starters for this year. You bring back Cam Robinson at the left tackle, but you also have Anton Harrison sitting there waiting to go possibly replace him or he gives you depth if, if Cam Robinson were to get hurt. So it's a, a big-time addition knowing that you don't have to play Anton Harrison right away either. Then at left guard they've got Ben Barch at the center Luke Fortner right guard Brandon Scherf and right tackle Walker Little who was awesome for them last year so um, pretty good up front actually I really like their offensive line and the fact that they don't have to play Anton Harrison right away um, also Josh Wells making a giving them depth they have a lot of depth at the tackle positions feels like oh. they're they're suited to protect Trevor Lawrence long term yeah that's um, huge. Obviously at quarterback, you've got Trevor Lawrence and backing him up as C.J. Beathard again. Um, at running back, Travis Etienne Jr. and Tank, uh, Tank Bigsby. Like I said, little thunder-lightning combo there now. Uh-huh. Uh, at the X receiver, Calvin Ridley coming That's in off huge. the suspension. <laughs> Very excited <laughs> to see what happens with him. I think when I look at you know, last year when they made the trade for him, in the, you know, right before the trade deadline, everyone's kind of like, hey, this guy can't play. What are they doing? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think now looking at it, it made a ton of sense. Trent Baalke understood that Marvin Jones was probably going to leave in the offseason, and they basically traded for his replacement before it even happened. And it yeah. makes a ton of sense. Calvin Ridley's extremely motivated, he missed football for a year. Um, Absolutely. so I really like that move. I think that's gonna he's gonna fit in seamlessly, despite them losing Marvin Jones Jr. As I mentioned earlier, Jacob Harris provides a real threat um coming in as well. And then at the tight end position, Evan Ingram with their draft pick, Brenton Strange, giving them mm-hmm. um another threat there. At the R spot the slot, you know, you've got Christian Kirksey and Jamal Agnew. And then at uh the outside other outside receiver, Zay Jones, who had a big year with Trevor Lawrence last year. Um, so a lot of good skill players for Trevor Lawrence. Great offensive lineup in front of him. I think there's all the pieces there for, for them to be very successful offensively this year. Yeah,
1: yeah it sounds like he has some good weapons out there, receiver for sure.
0: Yeah. On defense, bringing back Josh Allen. Yes, the edge defender Josh <laughs> Allen, not the quarterback. Um, behind him, Clevon Chasing. And then inside they have De- uh, Devon Hamilton and Roy Robertson Harris, and at the other edge, obviously Trayvon Walker, who um, looks to have a big year two, Former first pick at the will linebacker spots, they bring Devin Lloyd and, as uh, you said, Olakun, and then at the uh, nickel corner spot, um, Trey Herndon. A lot of a lot of tough names there, um, no guys who. Guys who had some pretty decent years, but just not, you know, obviously not talked about a whole lot. So I'm um, excited to watch those guys again. Um, on the back end at safety, at the strong safety, a guy who I just love how he plays, Rayshawn Jenkins. He was a guy making a lot of the plays on the film we watched, had the pick mm-hmm. six to end the game in overtime against the Cowboys last year. Andre Sisco at the free safety, uh, former Ram Darius Williams at the corner spot. And big time graded out uh, corner last year probably a big reason why they were able to let Shaq Griffin walk in free agency Tyson Campbell at the other corner spot. They're young, but they're pretty good in the in that back end. So not a lot of big names on this defense, but uh-huh. I think dudes were or getting the job done. So
1: Yeah, was Jenkins was that number two, the guy with the trick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah he he was a baller for sure.
1: Let's see the schedule they got. They start on the road first the Colts is so a week one, as we saw. They're going to have their first divisional game right off the bat on the road in Indianapolis. They got a couple games here at home. They play week two against the Chiefs. Week three against the Texans, as we saw on the last screen. Week four, they're going to London, also week five. But week four, they're playing the Falcons in London, them being the home team. And I I don't know how you do that. You probably just stay there, I guess. I don't know. You play the Bills there week five. And then you come back. And you play the Colts at home, which is it just me, or they normally have the bye right after they travel overseas?
0: Yeah, a lot of times it feels like they do, but they can't, they don't, you know, obviously can't be guaranteed. So some teams get kind of shafted on that, honestly. Gotcha. Well,
1: yeah, so week six, they play the Colts after being in London for two weeks straight. They got two road games right before their bye, they play Thursday night against the Saints, and then they play Week 8 in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Leading up to their bye week, Week 9. Week 10, they got the the Niners, who also come off their bye week. Seems like a tough game right after that bye. Mm -hmm. Week 11, they got the Titans at home. So they got two home games right there. Let's see. Week 12 on the road in Houston. That's going to be a fun one, probably. Houston might be able to get their things rolling, and maybe put up a fight. Week 13, they go... to Never mind. They don't go nowhere. They're staying at home against the Bengals Monday night. That sounds really fun. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Burrow
0: versus Lawrence. Yeah.
1: Let's see. Week 14 on the road in uh, Cleveland, playing the Browns. Then they got week 15 at home. Sunday night game against the Ravens. That also sounds really fun. Fun Looking forward to that one. Week 16, they... They got the Bucks in uh, Tampa. Week seventeen, they're home against the Panthers, and then they close out on the road playing the Titans.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would just say that the the back five weeks of their schedule, weeks fourteen through eighteen, are probably their easiest stretch. Uh-huh. Um, they do have three home games during that stretch, but they're they're um, or I should say three road games. During that stretch, but I think the the teams that they're playing with the Panthers, the Bucks, and then I think even at the Titans in week eighteen, yeah. I think they have a, a really high level of or a high chance of finishing strong with those three games. Yeah, that's sure. um, I think they could certainly you know split with either the you know at the Browns or versus the Ravens on Sunday mm-hmm. Night football. Um, so I mean, in general, if I'm calling that their you know quote unquote easy stretch or favorable stretch during the schedule, you know they have a pretty tough schedule. So that that is very apparent. I would say that their weeks 2 through 7 are really tough, you know, having the Chiefs at home, having the, yeah. you know, the Texans, you know, could be favorable. The Falcons could be favorable, but you got to go to London to do it. Then you stay in London for basically 2 weeks and yeah. then play the Bills, <laughs> which is a tough opponent being and then being in London for the second week. Yeah. Now, you could look at it two ways. Either say they have an advantage because they'll have been in London. Yeah. And the Bills will be getting acclimated, so they'll they'll have that. Or it's like, hey, we've been in London for two weeks. We're exhausted. We're ready to go home. You know, yeah, so you that, have
1: your normal training routine and all that. You got to figure it out on the road. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and you're away from your family and you're yeah. you know, in bed and all that stuff. I, I will be curious to see how they handle that trip. If they go maybe a little bit later before they play the Falcons, just so they're not in London forever. Because uh-huh. I, I can't, I imagine once they're in London, they're staying all the way through their yeah. game against the Bills, um, and then you have to come right back. As you said, you get no bye week after being in London for two weeks and play the Colts, who you know um, it's a divisional opponent, and so they know you well, and it's going to be the second time playing them and all that. And then you got to go and have a Thursday night game right after that <laughs> against the Saints, who I think on the road to, yeah, could potentially be a lot better. And I didn't include it in this, but then, oh, by the way, you follow that up with at the Steelers, which is always a tough place to play before you get yeah. to your bye week. So that's probably the toughest stretch of their schedule. And, you know, it doesn't get any easier. You come out of the bye, like you said, versus the Niners who are also coming off their bye week. This is a tough schedule for the Jaguars. It's going to test them.
1: Yeah, I agree. looks like we both agree with the the record they end up getting, two, eleven 11 6 I'm assuming that means they take first in their division again. I mean like you said they close out they could very well be 4 and 1 at worst probably 3 and 2 and you you know that Chiefs game going to be tough and the Bills especially in London and that Niners game are probably all the hard ones that we'll see and then you know you sprinkle in a loss or and
0: here and there or something you know and then that gets them to 11 and 6 Yeah I would say that I would anticipate they go right around 5 and 1 in the division. I think their division, they're better than the other teams in their division. So I just anticipate they're going to have a really good divisional record. And if you say, Hey, they're going to go five and one in the division, then that means they only have to go six and five versus all their other opponents. And I think they're, they're good enough to do that. Um, Like I said, there's some real tough games on the schedule, but you know, it helps that you're going to play teams like the Buccaneers and Panthers, you know, who late in the year could, (laughs) could not be very good at that point and be, you know, trotting out kind of teams that are no understand they're not great, and it's late in the year. You know that kind of mm. thing. So, I do think there's some there's some wins on their schedule for them that if they just take care of business, they should get them.
1: Yeah. So, my question for you for the Jags is: Do you think Trevor Lawrence is ready to become, as I like to call
0: a guy, or as the kids like to call him, him, in this next year? <laughs> I don't know if he's ready to become him in the sense that he's like you know, the guy at the face of the league, but Uh um, I think he's ready to take the next step and become like an elite, you know, truly elite top 10 quarterback. Um, If he's not already there, you know, some people already have him there. I'm not Uh sure he's quite there yet, but I think he's right outside the door and he's ready to bust it down this year.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And if you look at his numbers from 2021 to 2022, you know, I said there's that big growth from year one to year two, but You look at his numbers and it's telling, right? He went up seven percent in his completion percentage. He had five hundred more yards passing. He had thirteen more touchdowns. He had nine less interceptions, and his quarterback rating was twenty-four points better. Um it just all around like nineties or yeah, he was he went from like a seventy one to a ninety-five in his quarterback rating. So in general, I think the most telling I mean, to go up 13 touchdowns and not nine yeah. less interceptions is is really impressive. He was not a double-digit interception guy last year, which is always something that I think is is important. If you're throwing less mm-hmm. than 10 picks in a season, you've done a really good job. And so he only threw eight last year, you know, compared to 17 in his first year. So I think that's a big, big deal. I think the big thing that I noticed with him in the playoffs was just obviously overcoming adversity in the Charger game. And then he got to duel with Mahomes for for a little bit, at least a half, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But just watching the tape, you know, I'll show you, like, early on some stuff that really shows growth for him. Like in this Charger game, right, this is the first drive. They're kind of on a drive. You know, his guy maybe gets held a little bit there. Zay Jones, maybe Zay Jones just thought he was getting held, really didn't fight to get back to the ball. Casey Hayward yeah. gets the interception. That's a tough blow. Your first playoff game, year two, you're, you know, you're on a drive and you throw a pick, right? That, that could be a real blow to a guy's confidence if he's not, as you said, him, right? <laughs> All right, so we come back. We have, another, we have another drive, you know, second drive here. All right, now I get a tip ball. You know, kind of tough. Guy was in the passing lane. I tried to get it over him. It gets tipped. Guy picks it, right? So now I've thrown two picks. He ends up throwing four picks in total in this game, and all of them came in the first half, right? Yeah. Any normal person, I think, would be completely shaken by this and feel like, oh, no. you know. And he was in a 27-0 hole, right? (laughs) Yeah. And the dude comes back as the game goes. Oh, man. I'll just keep talking while this, you know, we yeah. got to kind of replay some of these. But like the dude comes back from that hole in the second half and plays absolutely lights out against, oh, by the way, like a guy who I think a lot of people at before this playoff game would have said, hey, I'll take Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah. They're comparable kind Turned of out. players. And I, but I think a lot of people love Herbert's talent so much and what he's shown. Um, that I am I think a lot of people before this playoff game would have said, I'll take Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. And there may still be people right now who would say I'd take Trevor, you know, Justin yeah. Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I think coming out of this playoff game, the thing that I really saw from Lawrence was just the, the grit and determination, the ability to overcome adversity and kind of put his team on his back to go get a win in the playoffs, right? which is i think a huge it's a huge learning lesson for any quarterback any young quarterback you kind of have to get in through on that. that toggle right there mhm so here's a big time play finds zay jones slicing through the middle this was a play we broke down during the playoffs i talked about that split safety coverage from from the chargers and kind of how they blow that coverage but trevor lawrence just instantly dissects it lets it go throws a pretty ball right on the money to lead zay jones in the end zone right then he has another Another drive here. This ends up being what becomes the, you know, the game-winning drive with the two-point conversion. Again, just slicing that Chargers defense. Finds Evan Ingram, puts it on him, so he can keep running, right? And this is a great view of it where you can really appreciate the throw. Just I'll boom, just puts him. it right on him. Yeah.
1: Back rain catching up.
0: No, Drew Tranquil made the play earlier in the game, but wasn't going to make that one. Here's here's about as impressive a throw as you're going to see on the out route. That's great coverage, dude. Puts it right on Christian Kirk where the defender just can't get it despite great coverage. I mean, the ball placement on this throw from the opposite hash. Yeah, from the opposite hash, right? And we're talking to probably four yards from the sideline. And look where he put it. I mean, that's literally can't hand it to him any better. That's a big-time throw. And then he follows that up by saying, hey, coach, let's go for two, and I'm going to go get it myself. I'm just going to reach with my long arm over and get, it, <laughs> and get it on the QB sneak. Just impressive. And then he comes back the next week against the Chiefs, right? And he has a little duel with Mahomes. You know, they were in that game. And the eventual Super Bowl champs, and look at that. Great play design by Doug Peterson, putting Christian Kirk in That's the backfield brilliant. and running the, the little wheel route, getting him matched up with the linebacker. And it's a fantastic throw, right? I mean... Put it on him. George Karlo- Karloff has never had a chance. That's just what <laughs> Well, you see his homie, tell him, hey, bro, you got him.
1: <laughs> As he's yeah. got his head in the dirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Tough matchup. The, the, the Jaguars, great play design. They caught the Chiefs yeah. in a tough defense for that look. But So you can see, I think Trevor Lawrence showed me a lot in the playoffs. I really like him. I think he's, he's poised to be a top 10 guy in 2023.
1: Yeah, so next team we're taking a look at is gonna be the Colts. They went four twelve and one last year. They had the third finish in the division and then, you know, four wins and you know, making the playoffs with that.
0: Yeah, um you know, I think I would like I, I also similarly think about the Colts, there's a lot of room for improvement a lot of reason to believe this team will be better moving forward I think this year they're yeah, going to be true. young there may be some some bumps here but they lost a lot of veteran players I mean they lost um you know Matt <laughs> Ryan at the quarterback position at the edge spot they lost Yannick Ngagwe they lost the linebacker Bobby Okariki. they lost cornerback Stephon Gilmore <laughs> They lost receiver Paris Campbell. They lost the backup quarterback, Nick Foles. They lost this, a veteran safety, Rodney McLeod. So there's a lot of guys that they lost from last year's team. Now that uh-huh. last year's team went 4-12-1, and one, right? So again, True. sometimes change is a good thing when you weren't very good. They added some interesting, you know, some younger kind of guys in free agency. Samson Ibukam, Cam, who was a, a Ram and mm-hmm. then um, was a 49er more recently is an interesting player on the edge for them. They added a new kicker in Matt Gay, who's was the, the Rams kicker. Um, hmm. Quarterback Gardner Minshew, right? As the backup quarterback may initially be the starter. Who knows? We'll see. Um, and then receiver Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills. Yeah. But um, obviously some of the, the more prominent or exciting additions happened in the draft.
1: Yeah, so they picked up our guy, Anthony Richardson, at quarterback, talked about him back when we were doing those views. Let's see, cornerback Juju Brents, and then a receiver, Josh Downs, beefing up the the skill positions on the outside, on both sides of the ball. Their management's is going to be Chris Ballard over at the general manager spot. Shane Steichen from – he was from Philly, right? That was him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The head coach, Shane Steichen. They got (laughs) their offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, and their D coordinator is going to be Gus Bradley.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I really like this staff that Shane Steichen has put together. Um, I think there's a lot of promise for this team to be pretty good. I obviously really like Shane Steichen um, and what he was able to do in Philly. Um, so we'll we'll see. I think again, I like Shane Steichen as much as I like D'Amico Ryan's in terms of young rising head coaches who could really have a huge impact on their on their team in wow. in not just 2023, but really beyond that. But if we look at, like, who's going to be playing for them next year, at the left tackle spot, they have Bernard Romain. Now, they did also draft a freaky athletic tackle from BYU who figures to be the, the left tackle of the future, and that's Blake Freeland. I believe he was drafted in either the third or fourth round. can't remember. Date. It was uh, either day, yeah, end of day three or beginning of day four pick for them. But really, really athletic kid. Had crazy combine numbers. And then at the left guard, Quentin Nelson, who's been there for a while, has been a really good player for them. Same thing at center with Ryan Kelly. Those two are two of the best combos of interior offensive linemen in the NFL. At the right guard, Will Fries. And then at the right tackle, Braden Smith. Obviously at quarterback now, you know, we've got Anthony Richardson there and then Gardner Minshew. We'll see who starts the season, but obviously it's Anthony Richardson's job yeah um likely moving forward in the future and then at running back you've got Jonathan Taylor and and Zach Moss um formerly of the the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. um at the skill positions uh, Michael Pittman Jr figures to be the extra receiver again a uh, really good player for them for a, a few years now despite um sort of different quarterback play you know kind of again that revolving door since since um uh, Philip since uh, well really since Luck left. Andrew Luck left. I mean they've they've Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, um Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, you know, um Sam um the kid from Texas, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles. I mean, they've had a number of different guys start at quarterback for them since um Andrew Luck retired. So it's it's been tough on them, but through all that, Michael Pittman Jr. has been a really good player. Um, at tight end, they've got Jelani Woods and Mo'Ally Cox, both pretty good receiving threats. Then at the R receiver, um, they'll probably start with Isaiah McKenzie coming over from Buffalo, but don't be, a, don't be uh, um, surprised if Josh Downs plays a lot as the season goes. He's uh-huh. a really good receiver from North Carolina. And then at the other Z receiver um, going into year two, Alec Pierce coming out of Cincinnati. Had a decent rookie year. Should be poised to be much better in a year two. Uh-huh. At, on defense, at the edge spot, Quiddy Pay has been a, a productive player for them out of Michigan. Um, they also have Tyquan Lewis there with him. In the interior, they've got Grover, Grover Stewart, Tavon Bryan, obviously DeForest Buckner, one of their best defensive players in the last couple mm-hmm. years. Uh, and then Adetunwiwe Adabawar is backing him up as well, giving them some depth. And then at the edge, they brought in Samson Ibu Kim. At linebacker, um, you've got Zaire Franklin at the will spot with EJ Speed giving a little depth. And then obviously at Mike Darius Leonard, another guy who's been there for some time, just a playmaker when he's healthy. That's been his big thing is just staying healthy. If he stays healthy, he's one of the better Mike linebackers in the league. At that nickel corner Scott spot, a guy who's been really good for them is Kenny Moore. Um, had some really good productive seasons. Then at the corner spots, they bring in Juju Brents in the draft. They have Isaiah Rogers Sr. and then Darius Rush as well, giving them some depth. And then at safety, you've got Rodney Thomas II and Julian Blackman. So they're going to be young, a little inexperienced in the back end, but I really like their front seven.
1: Yeah, uh, quick question. Did you see the video of Anthony Richardson like doing a
0: – oh, man camp stuff like where he does the yeah
1: yeah he was doing
0: like a a boot and then threw the ball into like a little little yeah hole he did the him. over the bag drill where they're slapping at him and then he escapes the pocket and throws the ball into yeah the net. yeah
1: did you and see that I, saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I i don't know about you but i was saying that he was just getting backlash
0: like oh my guy's throwing it to to nobody it's a it's a not moving like whatever <laughs> all right so one I don't understand why people always do this. They always freak out about like practice video, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And they always, people always have takes on it. It's like at the end of the day, dude, one, throwing that ball in that little net is harder than people think it is. Yeah. Like there's like most people are not going to be able to get out there and just like throw the ball and put it right in that spot. Yeah. So that's one. Two, at the same time, it is a net and there's no pressure on him and he's, it's practice. Yeah. Like, he should be hitting the ball in that net. He's an NFL quarterback. He's a top five pick. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's what should be happening. I, but uh, So, like, either end of the spectrum of, like, oh, it's not moving. It's so easy. Or, yeah. oh, my gosh, look at him. He's going to be a problem, which I saw. I actually saw the opposite end, which, oh, like, okay. Anthony Richardson <laughs> going to be a problem. Fire yeah, emojis. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like Anthony Richardson. I really like him in the Shane Steichen offense. Yeah. But that – one clip of practice is not why I like him, nor is it going to get me excited. <laughs> so yeah, so like my that. thing to everyone is just like, can we all just like calm down and stop overreacting to practice <laughs> videos? Just weird. Yeah. One
1: thing I will say is like, it's like you see the people doing like the Dr. Pepper challenge or something where they're throwing the ball in the thing, right? <laughs> and they still miss like, you know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. easy, Whether yeah. whatever way you want to look at it. So I mean, that's the only like comparable thing I could think of. Or, like, even at, like, the arcade, they got the little, like, there's a deep ball dude, a mid-range short pass or whatever, or or touchdown, you want to call it. It's the same thing. It's still hard no matter what, what scale you're doing it on.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: But, yeah, the schedule that the Colts got rolling, as we saw with the Jags, they play them week one, except they're at home and the Jags are on the road. We got a couple away games here, week two and three. Another divisional game they're playing the Texans on the road. Followed by the Ravens on the road. And then they got a couple home games. They play the Rams at home. Week four, week five, they play the Texans or sorry, the Titans at home. So they get they get all their divisional games within the first five weeks. That's pretty wild. Let's see, week six on the road, playing the Jags, so they play them pretty quick. For both those games. Week seven and eight, they're at home. They play the Browns then they play the saints if i had to guess we're looking at that easy stretch coming up right here so week 9 they got on the road versus the panthers and then they go to germany week 10 against the patriots that's that'd be fun yeah new new land out there let's see week 11 they get their bye week follow so like i said they go they go overseas and they get that bye but that was unfortunate mm-hmm. for the, who we were looking at last time week 12 they they're playing the bucks at home and a couple road games here, 13 and 14, they play in Tennessee week 13. Week 14, they travel out to Cincy. And they got a home game versus the Steelers week 15. Week 16, they go on the road to Atlanta playing the Falcons, and then they close out with two home games versus Vegas and then the Texans. And Texans are week week two and then week eight. We talked about that with the uh, Texans schedule, which is still wild to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I think unfortunately for the Colts, and which will play in, I think, to my overall prediction for this team, I think their their hardest thing for them is just their first six weeks are six hard games. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they open the season versus the Jaguars, I think that puts them, you know, whether it's Gardner yeah. Minshew or Anthony Richardson, that probably puts them at a loss. Now they got to go on the road to the Texans, then on the road to the Ravens. Yeah. they get the rams at home, the titans at home, then they go back to jacksonville. And I just think that stretch of games is, you know, the jaguars twice the rave at the at the ravens. Those yeah. are three that I just feel like are going to be tough. Again, even if they start right away with Anthony Richardson, that's going to be young rookie growing pains. He's going to make mm-hmm. mistakes despite the talent. So I just think those are three Rough games right there. And then the other three at the Texans versus the Rams versus the Titans are no gimmies. Like, at those those are tough games, too. It's a tough divisional game on the road, a tough divisional game against a team that, you know, was better than them last year with the Titans. And then the Rams are a team that I think a lot and of people, yeah, you're kind of wondering what that team could be. That could be an easier game, it could be a harder game. It's earlier in the season, so you kind of never know. True. So I, I really think that this stretch. They could be one and five out of the gate. I think that's real for them. Um, which anytime you start that way, it always just makes the rest of your season an uphill climb, right?
1: Yeah,
0: and it doesn't get you know a whole heck of a lot easier from there. I mean, they got they get the Browns now. I will say week eight through thirteen is probably their best stretch of games in terms of their chances to pick up wins. Yeah. You know, they get the Saints at home. They go to the Panthers. Then they go to the Patriots in Germany, but they do get the bye. Coming out of the bye week, they get the Buccaneers at home and then have to play on the road at the Titans. I think despite the Germany game, probably is the most favorable stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could pick up two wins during that, that stretch of games right there. And this might be about the time that if you didn't start the season with them, Anthony Richardson's probably starting. Yeah, right? true. So could be a couple confidence booster games in there for them. You never know how that might impact your team. But um, overall, for a team that finished third in their division last year is coming off being a top-five pick. This is a pretty hard schedule.
1: True. Yeah, they got the rookie quarterback. Who knows when they start him. But, I mean, it's going to be tough no matter what. Uh, it looks like I had them being a little bit better than you thought. You had them sim- going similar to what they did last year at 4-13. and I had them at six and eleven. To the way I saw it, it was just like most games. Like I, like you said, they're not probably winning. But like you know, the Texans maybe they split those. The Raiders maybe they could pull that off. That's tough. But then you like we talked about the NFC South. Maybe the only one they lose is to the Saints. And then you know the Steelers is not going to be easy. Kenny Pickett, you know he's trending upwards out there, but it's possible. You said Rams are early, you know, who knows what's going on with them there, but that's not going to be easy either. So, I mean, I I think they could finish similar to what the Texans might do, but at the end of the day, it's just – there's a lot of, like you said, growing pains. They got a little kinks here and there that they got to roll with.
0: Yeah. uh, I think looking at the schedule, I think they probably start 1-5. and They maybe pick up two wins in that stretch between weeks 8 and 13 you know, that gets them to about three wins. And then I think they can probably win one of those last three games that they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think they get the fourth win. Potentially maybe they get to five and 12. Um, I think six and 11 with this team would be. Pretty, the pretty
1: uh, <laughs> Looking yeah, at the top end up there. <laughs> that,
0: yeah, I think that's the top end. And I, I mean, I could be wrong. I really like Shane Steik. I told you, I like what they've done with the staff. I yeah. really like Anthony Richardson. Um, they're, better up front right now you know there's still some work to do there's still some work to do at the skill positions defensively they're really young in the back end so I just I see a lot of mistakes this year a lot of growing pains I think Uh but um, hopefully on for their part they're moving in the right direction yeah so you briefly touched on Shane Steichen
1: my question for you was do you think he could replicate what he did with Philly with Anthony Richardson here in Indy
0: Oh yeah. I, I think Shane Steichen was the perfect coach for Anthony Richardson to, to get drafted to. Um I don't think Anthony Richardson is just Jalen Hurts 2.0. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> he a lot of Jalen Hurts in him. I see a lot of Cam Newton, right? I talked a lot about that. Yeah. Sure. Um so I there's a lot of things that to like about Anthony Richardson. But the thing that's fun about the Shane Steichen offense, and I, I want to credit this Right, um, The guy named uh, Anthony Amico on Twitter, this was his quote when talking about the Shane Steichen offense. It's uh, mesh it, screen it, slant it, bomb it. And that's kind of what he does. If you okay. look at their offense, yeah. a great chunk of their throws, of Jalen Hurts' throws last year, were less than 10 yards. But then uh-huh. the next big chunk were She's all bomb. like 30-plus yard throws. Yeah, yeah. so they love to hit you with like – You know, um, the mesh, you know, RPO and or like zone read as part of their run game. So he loves that mobile quarterback who likes to do that. Jalen Hurts is big, can take that pounding. Similarly to Anthony Richardson, which is where they're really similar. Uh Um, Then he loves to throw perimeter screen to all his players, running backs, tight ends, receivers. Then they love to kind of give you the, the, the quick slant right now against zone, get between you know, the, the hook defender and flat defender and hit that window, and then they love, obviously, to hit you with the vertical ball. All things mm-hmm. that I think Anthony Richardson is actually good at and has the skill set for. So the thing about that, too, is the Eagles were second in explosive plays last year, and they were almost exactly half run and pass. So it's not like just they're creating big, long throws, but, like, they're good in the they're run game. They're, yes, they're, it's all, all together whereas the Colts ranked in the bottom eight of that stats, explosive plays last year. And so I think Anthony Richardson fits really well in what Shane Steichen's going to want to do, and I'll show you the the tape here in a second. I don't know if it's going to show up enough in 2023. As I said, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. I think Anthony Richardson's going to make a lot of mistakes early on. Uh However, I think there's a really bright future. I think he could have a similar developmental plan to like what Josh Allen looked like, right? Josh Allen really struggled with some accuracy stuff in year one, True. but paired with Brian Dayball and the things that they were able to do, you know, he saw him get better in year two, and then year three he was kind of an MVP level player and has been kind of at that since. I think there's some very similar. You could see some similar um, uh, development for Anthony Richardson, so that's why, even though I'm saying. I think they'll be about four and thirteen this year. Don't take that as me thinking that Anthony Richardson's not going to be a good player because I, I do, or that Shane Steichen's not a good, you know, good uh, coach because I actually think the opposite. Yeah. So here's a play in their season against the Lions. This is I just picked this game out just to kind of show this philosophy. You saw it all in this game. This was game one last year. So there's the kind of the mesh it right little zone read. Jalen Hurts is going to draw the defender in, or it's not even zone read, but it was rather a quarterback split zone coming back the other way, but you see the mesh, You know where I talk about meshing it. Um, You saw a lot of that that action on RPOs too. Now here's the screen it. You're going to throw the tunnel screen coming back to A.J. Brown, coming back to the middle of the field. Again, you see kind of how they draw the defense in just to get the ball out. Kind of a dangerous throw, but it ends up being a really positive play for them. Now we'll see the slant it. Again, this is going to be to A.J. Brown. And the common theme here actually was they loved to throw the ball to A.J. Brown. (laughs) You see that? (laughs) They split the zone right there, right? Find the the hole in the zone. A.J. Brown had a big game in this game for a reason. But you can kind of see from this angle what Jalen Hurts sees, where that that void between the flat defender and the hook defender, right? Finds all that grass, gets the ball to his guy. And now here you go. You're going to get the bomb it, right? Look at the matchup one-on-one. He knows he's got one-on-one up top there. John. Vertical ball. Little I. Oh, yeah. And A.J. Brown's a tough dude to bring down. Yeah. So that's the thing. Now, I will say that the big difference right now is as good as Michael Pittman Jr. is, the the Colts don't have an A.J. Brown yet. And that's kind of be the thing again this year as well that I think keeps them from being maybe as good as that Philly offense, they clearly don't have the playmakers. But these are all things we've seen. You know, These are all clips I went through with the Anthony Richardson film pre-draft process yeah. of things he can do. There's the mesh it, right? He does the slant on the first play. Now he comes off the RPO on play two and can really rip the ball in there, right? You can see him kind of throwing the, the, the those intermediate balls right in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. And then, um, you know, obviously there's going to be the play where he can bomb it. And yeah. so I think... There's a lot of similarities, you know, this is the one off the play action where he just absolutely decimates the LSU defense throwing that vertical ball. So there's a lot of natural fit there. It just again, I think it's going to take time. And that's all. But I do believe that Shane is going to adapt, you know, obviously with the input of Jim Bob Cooter, is going to be able to adapt that offense in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, so the last four team on this uh Division that we're taking a look at to be the Tennessee Titans. Last year, they went seven and twelve, or sorry, seven and ten. I'm out here making up two games for fun. <laughs> Let's see. They finished second in division, and they just missed the playoffs at seven and ten.
0: Yeah, they uh, they lost some guys. You know, they obviously they lost Edge Bud Dupree. They lost Robert Woods. They um, you know Taylor LeJuan had been a staple there for so long. They they mm-hmm. released him. Um, they lost linebackers Zach Cunningham and David Long Jr. They lost the guard and Nate Davis. They lost their tight end, Austin Hooper. So a lot of losses last year. A lot of stuff that um you know, just last season, I don't I don't think they had the year that they wanted to have. Yeah. And so, you know, there were some guys who were cap casualties like Taylor Lewan and Robert Woods, but then there were also some guys that left in free agency that just got more money like David Long Jr. So mm-hmm. um They've got a lot of replacing to do with some of those veteran players, but they did add some some good players in free agency. Andre Dillard coming in at tackle, adding Arden Key at the edge position, um, adding Aziz Alshire at linebacker, and then obviously quarterback uh, Sean Murphy bunting. All big additions to this, um, you know, mostly on defense. So, and we know uh, Mike Vrabel loves defense, so I think they'll be potentially better defensively this year than they even were last year.
1: Yeah. And then out the draft, they picked up a tackle, Peter Scarancy, who we talked about. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him getting some time playing there because we talked about his versatility across the line. So that'll be huge. Mm-hmm. And then they, as everyone knows, they picked up Will Levis as well. We'll see when he gets a chance to play, if it's this year or not. Looking mm-hmm. forward to that too. And then the management coaching staff, they got rolling. They got general manager. Is that is an that O or an A? Before that's Ran. Ran okay. Carthon.
0: He's in I year one. Like,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Ran Carthon. I, I, was like, I was looking at it I was like, that definitely looks like an A, but Ran is a, <laughs> that's a name less, I've never heard less of.
0: Less common name than Ron, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Head coach Mike Vrabel, as we all know. O.C. or offensive coordinator is going to be Tim Kelly and then their defensive coordinator be Shane Bowen.
0: Yeah. Um there's definitely they have some fun, you know, fun stuff going on in terms of what they did in the draft. I, I also liked um they added running back Tajay Spears, another another senior bowl hype guy at running back coming out of uh-huh. um Tulane. And then um uh, the tight end Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati is also a player to keep your eye on. Okay. Um <clears throat> But uh, looking at their offense, you know, I think at left tackle, they're going to end up starting Andre Dillard there. They also have Jalen Duncan for a little bit of depth. It appears that Peter Skronsky is probably going to play guard for them. Okay. Um, just based on what they've got on the roster right now, kind of makes the most sense. That's where he slides in the best yeah. for them. Um, at center, they've got Aaron Brewer. They added Daniel Brunskill to come play a guard position for them. And then they also have Nicholas Petit-Ferreri at the other tackle spot, um, which potentially Skaronski could play, just again, depending on how things shake out. But based on their depth that they have, um, they've got more tackles than they do guards, and so it uh-huh. kind of feels like he's going to slide in more naturally at That's guard true. for them. I know a lot of teams – You know, I thought he was a legit tackle um, uh-huh. evaluating him. I think he has the feet to play it, but I do know a lot of teams felt like he could be a dominant guard. Um, yeah. And you talked yeah. about the versatility, right? I think he's uh-huh. – Versatile enough that he could be a good player anywhere you put him. So um, if it's guard, I think, you know, so be it for him. Um, obviously, at, at quarterback, you know, you've got Ryan Tannehill coming back, should be healthy. Uh, Will Levis coming in as a rookie. And then Malik Willis is still there. That's another guy like Daniel, um, like uh, Davis Mills was talking about. You know, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens with with Malik Willis if he ends up being the third-string guy, which is kind of what's expected right now. What will happen with him if he'll end up being their practice squad, you know, kind of third activated quarterback on game day? At running back, obviously, you've got Derrick Henry. They have Hassan Haskins out of Michigan, who was a rookie last year, it was pretty good for them. And then, obviously, adding Tajay Spears in the draft, like I talked about, um, gives them some versatility at running back. That's, yeah. that's fun. <clears throat> at the X receiver spot, Traylon Burks comes back for year two. He should be better. Yeah, um, definitely. At the Y spot, they've got Chigazium, uh Okonkwo. And then also, as I talked about, Josh Wiley in the draft um, should give them another tight end threat. At the R position, Kyle Phillips comes back. And they also have uh, Nick Westbrook Ikine at the Z spot. Um, so there's a lot to be desired at the skill positions in Tennessee outside of running back. I think, you know, there's a lot of guys who are sort of uh, still young. Developing, not big names, so there's there's definitely reason to be kind of concerned about this Tennessee offense. There's a lot, a lot right now on Derrick Henry's shoulders, and a lot true. on on Ryan Tannehill to be, you know, to play above better his ceiling. Difference. Yeah, yeah. Get so everyone in line. I definitely think it's probably better this year if Will Levis doesn't play just for Levis. Yeah, um, true. I think there's a lot of a lot going on in terms of the turnover on their offensive line. You know the skill positions being so young and and um, inexperienced, so Tannehill's probably going to take a, a a beating this year. Honestly, um, he did last year, and that's why he was hurt. So we'll see if we get to see Levis this year or not. Defensively, though, Harold Langley the third had a, a really good year last year. They also have Denico Autry behind him. They have Tairet Tart and Jeffrey Simmons inside. You know Jeffrey Simmons got paid.
1: Big fella. dude's a monster, bro.
0: Rocking that 98. Looks good on the screen, yeah. too, with the sleeve and the, and the visor. My God, <laughs> makes being a big fella look good. Um, at the other edge, they bring in Arden Key. Really, really um, productive player. Um, at the Will linebacker spot, a guy they brought in in, in free agency is uh, um, Luke Gifford. They also have Monty Rice. Figures to be in a uh, position battle with him. Uh, Aziz Alshier at the mic, Roger McCreary at the nickel corner spot. And then on the back end, probably their best position group on the team right now, Uh, Christian Fulton and Caleb Farley at one corner. And then Sean Murphy Bunting comes in as a big free agent addition at the other corner. Kevin Byard at safety, who's been an all pro, and Amani Hooker at the other safety spot. I mean, this group is really good, experienced, like I said, um i would i would say they're the best group on this team overall as a position group so yeah we'll see what they do
1: yeah one thing i wanted to mention before we take a look at the schedule was you know i'm sure you've seen it where they talked about supposedly derek henry was going to get traded and there was some talk tweet? about it yeah, yeah i just wanted to make sure no one forgot about it real quick you know it's still out there in the world who knows if it's true or not i doubt it but you never know. You trying to
0: speak it into existence right now. No,
1: I, I I don't want to, but I mean, you never know. It it was a wild statement when it came out because that was the first day Twitter took off the check mark, so everyone was like, "Is this real?" You know, for one, and the other side was like, "Bro, this
0: is crazy. He might get traded." So I just wanted to make sure no one forgot about it. I can't it. A imagine the statement. This team without Derrick Henry, what right? they would look like. I mean it just feels like he's so tied to Mike Rabel too and the attitude of this team. It yeah, I also true. don't know who's who's It'll gonna the invest spot. the capital to, to trade for him right now. You know, yeah. I mean I think it's more likely that the Vikings move on from Dalvin Cook than the Titans moving on from Derrick Henry, put it that I way. Feel that.
1: Yeah. Speaking that's another one uh, we uh, we'll have a we'll look get at there when we talk yeah. Vikings. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> couple, Maybe by then
1: it's later. already settled, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the schedule the Titans are looking at this year. They got week one on the road versus the Saints. That could be just fun in general, you know, Two team looking to to make a name, another team just getting a new quarterback as in Derek Carr. So off the bat, it could be fun. Then they're at home against the Chargers. That sounds tough. Let's see, they got the Browns on the road. or They're on the road at the Browns, sorry, week three. They got the Bengals week four. Tough game. Let's see, week five, they go to Indianapolis. They finally get their first division game. And then they travel to London. Week six against the Ravens. That sounds tough. Not just against the Ravens, but having to travel. And then look look at that. As I talked about earlier, they come back and get a bye. <laughs> I following the bye. They got the Falcons at home. And then they got a couple, I guess, multiple games here on the road. They got week nine in Pittsburgh on a Thursday night game. And they got the Bucks in Tampa. Following that, they get their second divisional game at Jacksonville. And then week 12 and 13, they're at home against the Panthers and Colts. If I had to guess, that's probably where we're looking at the easiest stretch of the schedule for them. Let's see. Week 14, they get a Monday night game versus the Dolphins in Miami. That sounds fun. Let's see. 15 and 16, they're at home. They- <coughs> They play the Texans week 15, and then they play week 16 against the Seahawks. That's a new team from a new division in this whole one that we've seen. Week 17, they're playing the Texans again, as we've seen earlier in uh, Houston this time. And they close out against the Jags at home.
0: Yeah, um, as you said, they're definitely like this is one of the ones where you can see very easily like the easy, tough stretches obviously weeks one through six just right out of the gate i mean tough you know like Mm -hmm. they they only have two real home games in the first six weeks and those games are against the chargers and Bengals, (laughs) which are two games that they feel likely to lose honestly i mean those two games are like very tough games against teams with a little bit more talent than them um they'll have to you know kind of make it gritty to try and beat them but like Those are two tough ones. You got road games at the Saints, the Browns, obviously Colts, a divisional game, and then going to London to play the Ravens. I mean, I think that the Colts are probably the only, you know, just because it's that early in the season, I Mm -hmm. talked about the growing pain. I think the Colts are only like the only countable win in that stretch. I I do think I trust the grit of Mike Vrabel and this team to pull one other game out in that stretch. and So I think it's realistic that they're 2-4 and going into the bye week. Yeah. Um, just rough start. However, you know, you come out of that rough start, and I think, yeah. you know, weeks twelve through seventeen, you could see the the you know, the Titans coming down the stretch and you know, winning a lot of games, really finishing True. this season off. I mean, you know, coming out of the bye, Falcons, Steelers, Bucks, Jags, you know, that's a kind of a medium sort of stretch. Maybe they go two and two there wow. to get themselves sitting around four and six. And then you've weeks 12 through 17, you've got um, four home games out of those six games, the Panthers, the Colts, the Texans, and the Seahawks, and then two road games at the Dolphins, at the Texans. I really think that could be a five-and-run stretch for them, right? True. Um, And then finishing the the, the season versus the Jaguars. So I think that the Titans have kind of an uneven schedule where it's going to look bad early. They're going to have some tough losses early, I believe. But I think coming out of the bye week, they're going to be refreshed and they're going to have some very winnable games, yeah. and they could be a team that you know finishes really strong down the stretch despite a slow start. You know, sometimes you have that like front end of the season, back end of the season team. it's like two di- two different teams, and I think the Titans look poised to be that kind of team this year.
1: I feel that, yeah. I mean, this is the rare occasion. Looks like you had them doing better than I thought. You had them improving at nine and eight on the year, and then I had them. Doing the exact same at seven and ten. If I had to guess, it was probably because I just assumed Will Levis was going to play, and like it was going it was going to be tougher to like win games with the rookie quarterback. But that's how I probably see it. What was what was your thoughts on going nine
0: and eight? I I think I just trust Mike Vrabel. Um, I think they're going to be really good defensively. I think yeah. they're obviously going to have questions on offense. Um, I think they can realistically go four and two in the division. Which Mm -hmm. means you're asking them to go five and six against everyone else. I think extremely doable. I think there's wins that they can pick up against that again. That NFC South, (laughs) a lot of winnable games there. Um, You know, I think they can. They'll be competitive against the likes of the Steelers and the Dolphins. Um, You know, at least the Seahawks are a tough game, but they get them at home, so that could make a difference. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know the Saints on the road at the Saints in Week One, new quarterback, new you know system there. Maybe, maybe you sneak up on the Saints early in the year, you get a win there. But I, I think nine and eight is pretty a pretty realistic uh, goal for this team. You uh-huh. know, especially with as that. much turnover of veterans that they had last year. For them to be better this year would be impressive. But I I think I just trust Mike Rabel so much that that's why I think uh, I trust them to go nine and eight here.
1: Gotcha. So my question for you, for the Titans, was do you think that their offense can be good down the stretch in their games to close out close wins?
0: Well, you know, this is um, this, the Titans in 2022. Um, this is a crazy stat. I don't think I've seen anyone talk about it either. They lost six one-possession games where their opponent scored 21 points or fewer. Um, <clears throat> that's tough from a defensive standpoint. Uh-huh. If I'm holding a team, an NFL team, to 21 points or less, yeah. I'm really feeling like our team should be winning.
1: You know? <laughs> Sounds like the Broncos if you ask me.
0: <laughs> well, it's like they lost – last year they lost a tough week one game, 21-20 to the Giants. Ooh. They lost a game on the road in which Malik Willis couldn't throw a pass <laughs> uh, against the Chiefs 20-17 to in overtime. Um, they lost the game at the Bengals 20 to 16 or versus the Bengals, i should say they lost the game versus the chargers 17 14 they lost Mm. the game versus the texans 19 14 and they lost the game versus the jaguars 20 to 16 so those are those six a lot
1: of close games one possession
0: six one possession games where the other team scored 21 points or fewer you got to be able to win those games. And so obviously their offense just wasn't good enough in those moments. They ranked 28th in points on offense last year and 14th in points on defense. Eef. So their defense is, is good. I think could be potentially even better this year. Offensively, they got to figure it out. they got to find ways to win these close games and just produce points when they absolutely need it. So I went back, watched some of those close games. Um, the game that stood out to me was really this Bengals game at home. It um, was a really tough one for them. Um, So this is a drive earlier in the game where they go three and out, right? Okay. Play one, hand off to Derrick Henry that goes nowhere. Uh, They're not getting push up front. They're not getting the push up front that they need, and it's a predictable stretch run on first and ten, right? Okay. Play two, second and long, right? They're going to say, all right, we're going to give you this bunch look up top. And we're gonna do it to try and spread you out and run the football between the tackles. <laughs> I and think he goes missed and gets the hole
1: on there. On if he on goes that.
0: and gets two yards, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you're, th- you're thinking cut back on this. Yeah, well, he tries I think to get he, there. Yeah, he yeah. He, cut it. he actually it was front side. and he yeah, cut it he back. He should have kept it back. Yeah, front side. Now we get third and long. What are they gonna do on third and long? You
2: know yeah, they're I gonna go try deep. and throw
0: the ball, but he gets hit as he throws. Receiver can't make a play for him, right? Yeah. Um. And so that's tough.
1: Hold on, off the back leg, all tough.
0: Yeah, like that O line. That's not on Tannehill. Guy comes free. He tries to get the ball out. I didn't know that. Makes it a. a, It's at least in position where his receiver could make a play for him. And now they're punting. Okay. Now this is later in the game, right? It is twenty to 13. Yeah, twenty to thirteen. They've got a little bit of a drive going. And so let's just go through these these plays, right? Their offense is built on play action. You know, they get the ball to Derrick Henry. He's going to go make a play in the open field, go pick up nine yards. This is when their offense says their offense is at its best doing things like play action, pass, screen, um, get the ball into on Burks' hand early and let him go do something with it, get the ball to Derrick Henry in space, let him do something with it. That's what their offense is built on. The problem is if teams take that away, they really don't have enough skill. Out there mm-hmm. to counter that. You know, they don't if you're gonna watch this, they never take a shot vertical. You know, the, here's a run True. play that goes nowhere on you second and short. That. Now they've got third and short, right? And here you can see
1: you do it again, is that what they did?
0: Yeah. Tried to run they tried to run um power and front side, it just doesn't it doesn't get there, it doesn't hit right. So now they got third and short. Now they're gonna spread them out and go empty. Right? Try and get the pick play. They get it, right? They get a receiver open. Burks goes and gets them uh, you know, like seventeen yards on that. It's huge <laughs> big time play. Big time play, right? On on third and short in a in a game where again they're down twenty to thirteen with like six minutes to go. This is like, you know, you're kinda in that not quite do or die area, but you you know you gotta go get go True. get you points at on some
1: points. Point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So big-time play. They come back. Now it's first and 10 from the 25 going in. What are they going nice. to do? Oh, no. Run the ball. Try and run the stretch. And they just get they get stuffed. The, the Bengals knew. Like, we're loading up on first down. Look, at they've already got six in the box. <laughs> seventh guy coming off the edge. That's Mike Hinton making a play, as he normally does from that slot corner position. Okay, now we got second and long. We're doing some stuff, putting Derrick Henry in the Henry slot. A little, the fake, yeah, a little fake jet sweep to throw – Oh, I don't think screen. he knew that a screen was behind him. <laughs> it's it the whole thing, right? It looks disjointed, yeah. doesn't it? It doesn't yeah. look right. So again, this is that Our offense is like trying to be creative, but they don't they don't have it, and it just the whole thing. Now it's now it's third and really long, right? Again, this is game on the line stuff. So now we're it's asking Kaelin Brian Bope. Tannehill to go make a play. Okay, he gets a kind of short throw, but this is like we're setting up the field go the goal. Yeah. Right. We get well. We get eight yards. We well, get of yards. It, but but I'm, I
1: meant in terms of trying to score. You get. You're just settling yeah. as opposed to you're settling to for shot.
0: that. You're saying, yeah. hey, we're gonna get the ball in, in at the twenty, so we have a makeable field goal. Yeah. We're gonna let our kicker go kick a field goal. But remember,
1: <laughs> if, if I'm watching down, this, I can assume what the outcome is.
0: <laughs> well, he makes it right. Oh. <laughs> but remember, they were down seven. True. So now, and what are they? They were down twenty to thirteen. They kicked that field goal, and what happens? Game. O- I mean, really, the 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 you know, Bengals were able to kind of knee. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals were able to run out the clock, and then the the, the Titans never got the ball back. Right, so they yeah. lose that game twenty to to 16. sixteen. They had a shot in the red zone, you know, near the red zone to go get a touchdown on the board and tie the game, and they their offense just can't functionally do it. And that's what it came down to. They settled for too many field goals. Um, they had too many drives early in a game, like the one I showed you, the first set of set of plays. And ultimately, they sputtered in, in moments where their defense really needed to pick them up. And uh, so I think, you know, you can kind of see ultimately the, the Titans, they're just going to have to be more productive on offense for them to win some of these games. And, you know, I think if Tannehill is healthy for the whole year, that helps them. Or if Levis can come in and give them a spark, that helps them, obviously, right? But mm-hmm. I think that's what's keeping them from being a really, really good team and being able to win the division versus like a mediocre, like Mike Vrabel really does some stuff defensively, makes some magic happen and and gets this team in right around 500. So
1: see what they do. I mean, either way, they're probably finishing second in division matter what plays out. So
0: (laughs) it feels likely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But in terms of the banger of the week, comes back to me this week, you know, I, I wanted, I will say I wanted to go watch some movies this weekend. Didn't play out. Mm. We, but I'll try to get that for the next one. I won't spoil which ones I want to go watch. But what I'm rolling with this week is the classic. I'm going back to music. I truly don't know the name of the song. I, I could tell you what it is. I don't know if it's technically the right name. So it's a song by Quavo and Takeoff. I'm rolling with 2.30 as the name. Or oh. maybe it's two dollars, thirty cents. I don't really know. But that, that's how it's that's how it's lined up. It the it's a number two, got a period, and then thirty. So I okay. don't know. But that's uh, a fun song to listen to. I check it out. That's my banger for the week.
0: All right, I'll have to check it out. Well, we've got uh the AFC South done. Um, come back next week to listen to us talk about the NFC South. I talked about that being quite possibly the worst division in football. So Mm -hmm. it's a great set, you know, great promo for next week. You know, if you (laughs) want to listen to the worst, you know, possibly the worst division of football, come back and we'll, we'll explain why. Or if one of your teams is in that division, you know, maybe we'll explain to you why there's reason for hope. Maybe they won't be as good this year, but things are looking up X, Y, Z. Um, or maybe you will just hate what we have to say, and you can. Come <laughs> hate Either way, we I was once it.
1: told you you aren't. You haven't made it until you got haters. So if we we
0: we, we would love to have those next week. We were, we are looking applications for haters are yep. underway. Please <laughs> apply and uh, submit your uh, application to Jody, and we'll uh, we'll review. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, have fun listening to this podcast. We love doing it. We love the fans. Jody, where what what do they gotta subscribe to? Let the people oh, yeah. know. So TikTok. We got a TikTok
1: rolling. It's the second and two podcast. It's gonna be the word and all, all that's gonna be jumbled into one word. Let's see. We got Twitter. What was the Twitter at? What you got?
0: Uh second and two podcast, just as it appears on the YouTube second Perfect. ampersand two podcast. Perfect. Yeah. So go, go like, comment, subscribe
1: on, you know, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, you know, any feedback is good feedback. And till then, we got our guy Ray Ray taking us out. Take us out, Ray.
2: special Tony I ain't about to go in front of pony I'm gonna show you just how bad I want it hear the passion I promise I know this is my moment I've been working I've been putting music online I've been patient but I'm sitting on a coal mine Gold mine, I had it since I'd have known time Gotta rewind to understand my punchlines In the past I was overlooked, usually Been the underdog player, this ain't nothing new to me I can see the competition worry, so they stop and listen I promise ain't no politicking with the opposition This is something different, I'm something you've never seen Writing lines and touching minds with every stream Six feet buried beats, to say hollow and I follow I promise I'll be the hardest I can follow I make way for the chosen one Listen to the passion many on the sun. One's up in the air if you notice him. Better tell him make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion many on the sun. One's up in the air if you notice it. Better tell them make way for the chosen one back home and the vision got them all dripping. I see the change, let me break it down, sit and listen. See where I'm from, they don't make it to the finish line. They have a dream, but they give up on it every time. So when they see me, they don't treat me like they used to. Probably cause they witnessing something that they ain't used to. I am not the usual, I am an anomaly. I'm just trying to multiply my paper like Monopoly. us out probably, will he make it possibly? Honestly, I'm tripping man, name somebody that's stopping me. This already written, I'm just living on my prophecy. Regardless of what happened here tonight, I'll still be Pop it, <laughs> Man, I did this on my own too. Put myself in this position on my own too. You know who you are, I don't need to expose you. I'm looking at everybody who got it like I told you. Woo. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion many on the sun. Runs up in the air if you notice them. Better tell them, make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion many on the sun. Runs up in the air if you notice them. Better tell them make way for the chosen one.